Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Lyft. Maybe you're looking for a different ride-sharing app if you like the convenience and the low cost of ride-sharing apps. Lyft is preferred by drivers and passengers for its safe and friendly experience and its commitment to affecting positive change for the future of our cities. Sounds pretty good. They are in Canada now. Toronto only for starters. If you want to try it out, you will get 15 bucks off of your first ride with Lyft when you go to lyft.com forward slash invite forward slash Canada land, or if you download the app and use the offer code Canada land terms and conditions apply lift. It matters how you get there. This episode of shortcuts is also brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Check this out. Have a box of ingredients sent to your home that will take you 30 minutes or less to turn into a delicious meal. You can get 50% off of your first box by going to hellofresh.ca slash Canada land and using the promo code CANADALAND. Allison Smith, founder and publisher of Queen's Park Today and BC Today. Uh, Allison, today we are going to be talking about the Ontario political scene this past week. Why so boring? <laughs> We're also going to talk about uh, Me Too explosions reverberating throughout politics in Canada. We're going to talk about Wendy Mesley's new CBC media show that everybody forgot existed until she had Jordan Peterson on. And we are going to talk a bit more about accused serial killer Bruce MacArthur. The media has a very unique angle on this guy. Apparently, he seems so normal. Welcome to Shortcuts. Thanks, Jesse. 
This episode is brought to you by Melissa Gallo, Sinead O'Brien, Mark Girian, Heather Stretch, Chris Abraham, Ben Carter-Whitney, Michael Bell, and Wesley Routley. Hi there, I'm Wesley Routley, and I'm a student at Queen's University. Dissenting opinions are the basis of democracy, and nothing requires a dissenting opinion like the media that we all consume. Canada Land helps keep legacy media honest, and I'm happy to support you and the team on that mission. And Allison, as I mentioned, uh, HelloFresh is the sponsor of today's episode. I've had a free trial of HelloFresh once. It was great. I also have used HelloFresh's product. I, I find that, you know... People like ourselves, you're running a small media business. Uh, It is difficult to find time to cook. HelloFresh helps you cook more. And the ingredients that they use are sourced locally and fresh. They give you the exact quantity that you need so that there's no food waste. Basically, it takes like three or four chores of meal preparation and shopping, all of these things, cutting things up. It it takes them all and turns them into one chore and a really pleasurable one. It's all delivered to your doorstep in a special insulated box for free. If this sounds good, why not try it out? You'll get half off of your first box when you visit hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand. Use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. I will defend myself as hard as I can with all means at my disposal. Brown's career in tatters and the party left without a leader, all happening less than five months to the election. CTV's Queen's Park Bureau Chief Paul Bliss will take us through these allegations. You will hear from the women as well as Brown, plus reaction from the Premier. If there are more names to come, that will be fascinating. Good evening. CTV's Queen's Park Bureau Chief Paul Bliss is suspended pending the results of an investigation. PC parties, President Rick Dykstra has stepped away. There have also been allegations of sexual harassment against against Kent Hare until yesterday. He was, of course, a federal cabinet minister. He resigned and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau accepted his resignation pending an investigation. After seven years as leader of the Nova Scotia Progressive Conservatives, Jamie Bailey ousted amid allegations of sexual harassment. Holy shit balls! This is like, this is insane, Allison. This is like, this has got to be the most insane, hectic, eventful news cycle uh, throughout the country, but but explicitly in Ontario provincial politics, which is like your bread and butter, that's your beat. Oh, my God. This is the biggest news week in Ontario political history, one of them. Where were you when you found out? Where were I you? I was recovering from a flu uh, en route to Mexico. and you were on um, the way to Mexico. On the way vacation. to Mexico, landed, uh, checked into a hotel, and about 45 minutes later, Patrick Brown held his press conference. So I have been watching all of this news from, uh, via Twitter and uh, from abroad, but... It's still been fascinating. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe this... less than relax, less relaxing than I had intended. <laughs> this job just sucks sometimes, doesn't it? You have no control. Like that's just Murphy's law. Yeah. Um, what did you do? Did you like? You, I guess you just followed. Like you can't not. Like, like you know, when you're on vacation, we're gonna talk about the media in a second. But I just want to talk to a journalist mm-hmm, about this because mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. happened to me. You're on vacation, and I don't know how much vacation you get. I don't get a lot. When you actually go somewhere, you're like, I'm going to detach. I'm not going to disconnect. going to be a human being. You have no control over it. Like, this happens. Especially when it was this type of story, right? So when the Patrick Brown news broke, it was all very exciting, you know, for the first 24 hours. Uh, it was, what's going to happen next? He's getting chased down stairwells. What's everybody saying? What's happening to this party? And then, you know... 
And then you start really thinking about the women involved and, and what we're really talking about. And then we have the accusations against Paul Bliss, uh, a fellow Queen's Park Press Gallery member. And all of a sudden, the whole kind of the excitement and the zeal is gone. And it just sort of becomes this sleazy story that got under my skin. And to be honest, I had a day of vacation where I was like, I'm not having fun right now because I am thinking about all of this a little too much. Yeah. It's hard to insulate yourself from like, you know, especially when these are like actual human beings to mm-hmm. you. Uh, but it's crazy. It's crazy. Like the, the Paul Bliss thing. And I've seen this again and again where people who have been holding the secrets of powerful men who have been like, you know, not coming forward through the alleged abuse itself, through years, whatever, they will finally decide to come forward when they see that guy virtue signaling or somehow representing or posturing or talking, you know, uh, about somebody else's transgressions. Mm-hmm. That's, that happens, and, and that's the chain reaction. That's why Me Too is so viral in part, is that it's when you see the guy with the Me Too pin, and you're like, I know what you did, asshole. And, sure, yeah. And that's James what happened Franco, with Paul Blitz. Aziz yeah. and Zari, that all happened yeah, within the same Franco week of them it. being on stage at the Golden Globes. From a media perspective, like, can you just d- d- describe how something like this lands? I mean, with the election coming up and... and you know, maybe you had some perspective. Like, what did you make of the coverage? Besides just, like, wanting to be in on it on some level. Yeah. I mean, I thought the coverage was great. The reporting was, uh, I mean, excellent. The Queen's Park Press Gallery people are are on at full force. It seemed like all through the night, uh, a couple of the nights there. Uh, I mean, I can definitely diverge from some of the columnists that have written about this. Uh, in particular, Christy Blatchford and, and Rosie DeMano, which... Uh, who both decided to write, in in Blatchford's case, two columns um, about why we should be protecting these men and and, and women don't need protecting. So, I mean, I guess we're just come to expect that in Canadian media. But um, I disagree huge with that. but the the reporting at, at yeah at Queens Park has just been crazy, and there's just been you know new um, everything's just unfurling constantly, and and where do we all end up? It's now we're just at Doug Ford again. So <laughs> right, <laughs> just, wow, that's sad. All roads lead back. All roads lead back to Doug Ford. Yeah, you know <laughs> I vehemently disagree with what Blatchford and Demano are saying um, about how everybody should be afraid and this is wrong. We need to protect these men. It's still to some degree like in the matter of opinion, you know, that's their opinion. Mm -hmm. There's something that kind of was crossed a line of something different in Demano's column where she lashed out at the ability for anonymous accusers. Anonymous accusers can take somebody down. And, you know, of course you hear this everywhere, but, but it was remarkable for me to read that coming from a journalist because she knows the difference between a confidential source, someone who comes forward to Glenn McGregor, and and Glenn McGregor gets to know her name and check the details and check all verify the story in a, in a hundred different ways. And I believe they used her silhouette talking on television, so we know she's a human. Yeah, or th- the audience knows she's a human. If- so, so that that is a much more I think responsible and methodical process than w- what you invoke when when you say you know an- any anonymous source can take uh, any man down. That conjures up an image that like somebody could go onto Twitter, come up with a fake account, say this politician did something to me and we believe this anonymous source who is anonymous to the journalist and to the public. And that is an essential tool that journalists need in order to tell the truth. We rely on confidential sources. So to conflate them to the public with anonymous sources, like you're actually like 
taken a swing at journalism in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, there's no no value in that, I would say, for her to do that. Um, and I know for the, the, the sources, at least in the Patrick Brown case, were verified by other media outlets as well yeah. that didn't, weren't the ones to break the story. But I, other people know who they are. We have seen some things that I think are, are signs of hope in just the, like the process and the way it plays out. Like with Paul Bliss, where Bridget Brown, a uh, former colleague of Bliss's, wrote a Medium post where she did not name him, mm-hmm. but described what her former colleague had done to her. And then... Based on that Medium post, she was contacted by CTV. CTV acted at, at that point anyhow. Now that we're familiar with how these, these things play out, CTV's HR department contacted her and, and said, you can tell us the name and we'll deal with this. And basically took the burden uh, legally and otherwise uh, off of her for having to stand in public and, and, and name him and, and face all of the, uh, or at least the same extent of, you know, uh, that was a good thing at that point that CTV did. And then they, then they took him off the air and it was quite easy to see it with that, who it was. And they... Which is fine. That's fine. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think my problem with it is that people keep calling, you know, no due process. There's been no due process here. It's like in every one of these cases where due process was necessary, I think there has been due process. We're seeing that with Kent Hare in Ottawa. We saw that with Jamie Bailey, the the former PC leader in Nova Scotia, where they hired a third-party investigator to look into him. With Patrick Brown, I mean, having your caucus overthrow their leader doesn't that doesn't require due process. That's politics. He doesn't need what kind of process do you expect him to have other than that? Um, and, and I think with Paul Bliss and the way that it's going through Bell Media's HR, I mean, that's that's the process. Yeah. I mean, this is a different thing than than facing a, a criminal accusation like like this is it's been this way forever. You can't be the candidate for premier of Ontario if there's a, a credible murder accusation against you. Right. <laughs> right. Like we, that's established. Right. And then there's like a spectrum of like, well, what, where's the threshold? And we're just sort of saying now, like, yeah, if if you have a history, a pretty credible alleged history of scheming on teenagers, you know, and plying them with alcohol while you stay sober. Like if that's out there from multiple sources and it looks like there might be some veracity to that, you're not a good political candidate. You know, that's not a new concept. I think there's lots of questions to be asked there about what the PC party knew about Patrick Brown before last week. I mean, there's lots of talk about this being an open secret. What did the PCs know inside the party? What did his staff know? Lots of his high-level staff Patrick Brown was notably friends with and had been for a long time. And then also, what did the Ontario Liberal Party know? They'd been teasing sort of for a while in the media that, oh, we have some sort of bomb that we're going to drop about Patrick Brown. Like, we kind of, there was sort of an idea that something was coming, something was brewing. Were they waiting to drop this until the middle of the election campaign? And, and you know what? That's fine. That's on them. That's politics as well. Uh, but more liability on his own party, I suppose. But but uh, but still worth asking. These are all I'm sure. I don't know. I imagine the journalists are digging into all of these questions. I think so. It might be hard to get answers to to some of them. But I mean, maybe for the PC party, it's 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 lucky that it came last week as opposed to in the middle of May. And then Rick Dykstra. I mean, I, 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 I want to talk about the media, not the politics. But mm-hmm. like, oh my God, the, the drama of of conservatives in in Ontario. <laughs> like I they, know, no, I know. Candidates saying that they'll kill t- t- ten thousand jobs. Uh, like John, John Troy. Hey, why don't we take on the Catholic Church? Uh, you know, like <laughs> this was like a I, the enmity towards Kathleen Wynne. Like it just felt like this was just like a slam dunk sure thing. And uh, like how they can keep fucking like like you say, this isn't like a lightning bolt strike. Like you would think. 
with the stakes as high as this in a sophisticated political operative environment like the one we have. Where they have four years to plan for these elections. If, the, like if these it, were, This is a scheduled election. That's right. And, and, and so if there's that kind of whispering going around about Patrick Brown, like who dropped the ball on vetting this candidate? We also had Federal Conservative Party of Canada MP Alex Nuttall saying today that it was an inside job from the conserv- the Progressive Conservative Party against Brown, which I have no way to verify that. But these are the type of type of things that are now being tossed around in public as well. I mean, anything is possible. If they, it, like if they knew about these rumors and they actually had some info that could push it, you know, into Glenn McGregor's lap, and they saw that their candidate was not doing well and didn't have appeal with women, which is an ironica, uh, you know, maybe that was, but. You know, and and I felt that too. Just like, huh, this might actually be good for them if they can get a better candidate in there. And then Dykstra co- takes a hand, like, nah, this might be harder to recover from. Then I mean, anything's possible. Maybe it'll be Doug Ford. My God. Oh uh, my and then out Doug east, Ford. and then in the in the Trudeau cabinet, and then it keeps going. It keeps going. Um, and then, did you read Warren Kinsella's blog? I did read Warren Kinsella's blog. What did Warren Kinsella's blog say? Warren Kinsella signaled that former liberal party strategist war part war room guy for Kuchen. Yeah. And he's worked with uh, mayoral candidates and he's he's very much in the mix. A guy about Twitter. Guy about Twitter. Yeah. He's he signaled that some sort of very, very high level politician in Canada with with name recognition has several affidavits against him. Uh construing or alleging sexual impropriety, at least, um, and not much more. So there's been some jumping to conclusions, I suppose, with that. Mercedes Stevenson of CTV News tweets, I asked Prime Minister Justin Trudeau if he knows who the, quote, very, very powerful man, end quote, with affidavits against him in the Warren Kinsella blog piece is. He said, no. And everybody is on tender hooks, like pins and needles, right? Like people are any minute now is the feeling like something might happen. Something might come out. We don't know who. We definitely don't know who. Um, gosh, can Canada survive our our noble prime minister being thrown down by the Me Too movement? I feel like the rest of the world will just be so sad if that happened. Yeah. Uh, what was that Simpsons episode where Arnie Pye uh, is uh, sexual impropriety against Marge Simpson and, and begs her not to say anything because his reputation is so strong, it would damage the community. <laughs> it would damage the community. For him to be taken down that way. Um, I have uh, no idea what the truth is of no, what's going to happen not, or come I out. I do not either. Um, mm. I guess we'll see. We'll see. Allison. Did you know that Wendy Mesley has a new show on the CBC? I did not. I think a lot of people were unaware of The Weekly, Wendy Mesley's uh, Sunday morning show. I was aware of it. It was announced some time ago that Wendy Mesley uh, was going to be, you know, she she was not going to be one of the new hosts of The National. And maybe, I don't know if she wanted it or not. Given that four people did get that job, that might have hurt. I don't know. She's been hosting The National quite often for quite a long time. She didn't get that job or didn't want that job, uh, but it was announced she's got this new show, Weekly Show. And it's a media show. And officially, my position is good. Good. I, I, I pitched a media show to the CBC that turned out to, when it was rejected, became Canada Land. They should do a media show. Everyone should do media criticism. We need media criticism in Canada. That's my official position. Personally, internally, I, I was a little concerned. 
CBC has a lot of resources. Wendy Mesley is a hell of a broadcaster. You know, this could have been like a really good media show. You know, did I have anything to worry about? I did not have anything to worry about. Um, the show debuted and the first guest was Bruce Anderson. You know, pollster? Bruce, the pollster. Mm-hmm. Um, the stories did not seem like Wendy Mesley has much interest in looking at Canadian media, at least not the way that we do. The stories were, does Robert Mueller have the goods on Donald Trump? Is Amazon Alexa spying on you? Like things that like I can get better versions. Of, like I'm not going to get the best version of that story on technology issues uh, from Wendy Mesley's Sunday morning show or or about the Trump Russia stuff. That uh, you know. Anyhow, I breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you know, uh, when watching the first couple episodes, and and nobody was paying much attention to the show until the third episode, when she hyped far and wide, and the CBC hyped. Guess who I'm having on? Professor Jordan B. Peterson. Because he's hard to get. Yeah, that's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> he says he'll talk to, and he's on a book tour, so he's talking to everybody. And he also says, like, look, the left never wants to talk to me. Um, I'm, I'm available. I'll talk to the left. I'll talk to the right. I'll talk to anybody. Um, he's, he's gettable for podcasts for, you know, let's, let's credit him with that, you know. Um, and so I'm not going to get into... Um, too much about the uh, the the resistance to having Jordan Peterson on for all of his ideologies and all of his ideas. Um, what I'm going to talk about is is I'm going to tell you a Twitter story. Can I tell you a Twitter story? Yes. Thank you for enduring this. Um, Sherwin Arnett is a guy who tweets a lot of interesting stuff, and he was digging through Jordan Peterson's old tweets and saying, is this really who the CBC wants to have on? And he was pointing to a lot of ideological stuff, uh, Peterson's thoughts on slavery and, and the language he uses when talking about everything from women uh, to, to his invocations of religious things. And Sherwin was presenting the case that this is maybe not a great guy for the CBC to have on. And I wasn't really going to engage with any of that without kind of, you know, unless you're ready to actually like get in there and fight about all these ideas and should he be allowed to speak them in, or whether he's allowed to, should we give him a platform? I wasn't going to engage with any of that. But Sherwin Arnett uh, found one specific Jordan Peterson tweet, which I did take note of. Um, and it came to me uh, via Andrew Mitrovica, who's a very ferocious critic of the CBC, who picked up the Sherwin Arnett tweet and, and, and tagged me in it and said, have a look at this. And the tweet from Jordan Peterson was uh, Jordan Peterson responding to an author, this guy, Greg Hurwitz, who was making some comment about the vodka he was drinking, I think. And Peterson said, it's good that you consumed the liquor this time instead of letting some Indians steal it. It's hard to imagine what the context is for that that doesn't make it just uh, outright racist bigotry. And I tweeted like, as a question, because maybe there's an answer, how is this not just plain racist bigotry? And... Uh, Peterson's fans had many, many, many reasons as to why, oh, you don't know the context, Jesse. Peterson stayed mum about this. Finally, the author um, posted an explanation. What he said was uh, this two-year-old tweet from Jordan Peterson about Indians stealing my booze has taken the interwebs by storm. I thought I would provide some much-needed context. There's this story where he was drinking with his buddy, Jordan Peterson, and he had like a barrel. They were both touring uh, bourbon distilleries. And uh, Greg Hurwitz had a, a barrel of Maker's Mark whiskey. And, and they take from that bottles that belong to Greg for buying the barrel. And he gave his buddy Jordan Peterson one of the bottles. And, uh, and the rest of the liquor in the barrel, he entrusted to the 
the Native American bartender to ship to him. And, and Greg Hurwitz points out, and she called herself an Indian, right? Um, but she swindled him. The liquor never arrived. And it became kind of a joke between him and Peterson. So there were two bottles of, of, the, of this liquor, uh, one of which was given to Jordan Peterson, who is himself an honorary member of an indigenous tribe. The rest of the liquor stayed in the hands of this Native American bartender who was supposed to ship it to Greg Hurwitz, but swindled him. And it became a joke between Peterson and Hurwitz that two Indians stole his liquor, one being the bartender, the other being Jordan Peterson. And I said, oh my God, that makes this so much more racist. You know? So it's a very specific story, not a general stereotyping story? Oh, my Is God. Is that what he's arguing? I mean, you can, you know, like, pick your poison there. Like, there's so many um, awful ideas in there. The idea that Peterson is is an Indian. Uh, the idea that because this Native American bartender is okay calling herself an Indian, it's okay for Peterson to call her an Indian, which a lot of people consider to be a racial slur. Uh, th- and the idea that there is any context, like... If I had an encounter with an actual greedy Jew, then it's okay for me to make jokes about uh, some greedy Jew, you know, which which we, I think, in any other context, no, that's not, that's not. This all falls into this larger question after Richard Spencer made a CBC appearance, after Ann Coulter made a CBC appearance, after Gavin McInnes, of course, made a CBC appearance. There is a conversation, and this is where it's not even engaging with Peterson's ideology, just like as a media critic, I'm like, well, who gets to be on the CBC and where does the, where's the line drawn? And and I thought if you make those types of racial slur jokes, you probably shouldn't be allowed on. Senator Murray Sinclair uh, saw Peterson's tweet and very simply said, oh, Peterson's a racist. That's not very surprising. And, and you know, that was kind of my response too. Like, like it was funny because a lot of Peterson uh, fans were like, Oh, outrage culture. You're so outraged. You're triggered. You're outraged. I wasn't outraged in the least. You know, there's, there's no outrage to this. Um, it's simply a classification issue. Like, let us call this what it is. So anyhow, I, I asked these questions of Peterson, like, like, please clarify this, Professor. Like, are you saying, like, do you consider yourself to be a quote unquote Indian? And if so, does that make it okay for you to make Indian jokes? And to whatever degree he says he's available to be challenged or to talk, he hasn't answered that question. Um, that's a story from Twitter about Jordan Peterson and about the CBC, Allison. I thought My I'd tell it to you. My takeaway from that, the, the Wendy Mesley interview, um, I didn't know that Jordan Peterson had re-self-styled himself as a self-help guru for, for young men and that that was the, the book he's peddling. Seems to be full of platitudes of you know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps and, and become a become a good person and, and be strong and don't let society push you down. And it's very like high school gym teacher or something like that. That actually has been a part of his shtick for a very long time. And you know what? You know what? Um, I, I actually want to get into this in a lot of detail. And the, the next episode of Canada Land is going to be the Canada Land Guide to Jordan Peterson, where I actually am going to do not a critique of Jordan Peterson. Is he right or is he wrong? Is he good or is he bad? But as a media phenomenon, I'm going to look at, like, why did this guy get so famous and, and, and what does it mean? Um, for our purposes on shortcuts, I think that the fact that CBC went ahead and had him on anyhow, Wendy Mesley had him head on, on anyway. And I, I think it was this thing where after the Channel 4 disaster, where the interview went out after him really horribly and, and made a fool of herself— uh, in the UK, 
Mesley was not going to do that, and maybe that's not her style anyhow, but she also knew that she did still have to press him a little bit, and she pressed him on, why are you seen in this photograph standing in front of a, somebody put up a Pepe poster, and that's an easy one, well, I, I can't control what people put up in photographs of me, a lot of people take photographs with me, and then went on to have like this kind of crazily fawning interview w- with Peterson um, that made no mention of the fact that there is this, uh, at least in Murray Sinclair's uh, point of view and, and mine, a explicitly racist statement on the record from Peterson uh, on, on Twitter. It, it went, I'll, I'll play one little bit of it that I think made my jaw drop a little bit where uh, um, Wendy Mesley tells Peterson, uh, you know, who she, who he reminds her of. So you're, you've become this huge sensation. What's next for you? Like, I'm trying to figure your, figure out, are you are you the next Marshall McLuhan? So that is some CBC-style media criticism for you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's notable that post the, the, the Kathy Newman interview, there's now been an op-ed on Jordan Peterson in The New York Times, another one in The Wall Street Journal. So... He's not just Canada's problem anymore. (laughs) No, we're seeing the mainstreaming of Jordan Peterson internationally, for sure. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, therapy online that has served over 3 million people around the world. And BetterHelp is available here in Canada. A lot of people have various blocks or reasons why they don't just reach out for that help. And one thing you'll hear people say is they just don't have the time. I would like to mount a different uh, argument here, which is that if you are talking to a mental health professional, if you're if you're chatting with somebody about your life and about your priorities, you can clear away a lot of the clutter. You can actually find yourself with more time because you have a better sense of what's important to you. Like it's an investment that can pay off even in that practical way of, of organizing your life a bit better. These are some of the advantages in, in the long run of having something like BetterHelp in your life. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to the show, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. Once again, it's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated, and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Allison, uh, we're going to take a quick moment to thank our second sponsor, Away Luggage, Away Suitcases. And uh, you have just been traveling. Mm -hmm. How happy are you with your your luggage selection? It's not great. Let me tell you uh, about something you might want to consider. This is a product that actually uh, has improved my life. I have to say the away suitcase I have is like the ideal, the platonic ideal of your carry-on suitcase. 
in 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 every aspect like my ability to put my kit my carry on my other smaller bag on top of it as i roll it around the way i can roll it as 360 degree swiveling wheels i can push it in front of me pull it behind me it, it the handle comes up to the right place it's super light it's kind of indestructible all of these little things that like i've never been aware of luggage dynamics until i got the suitcase and it just made my my body hurt less when i travel it's got like a, a cell phone charger on it and uh anyhow this is a really good product it is designed to fit into carry-on spaces on your airplane, and you can try it out for free for 100 days. You can travel with it. You can see if you like it. If at any point you decide it's not for you, then return it for a full refund. It has a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, they will fix it. You got nothing to lose. It is a travel game changer. It is sleek and ultra durable. It comes in a variety of really vibrant colors. And because you listen to this podcast you can get 20 bucks off of one. Visit awaytravel.com slash CanadaLand. Use the promo code CanadaLand during checkout. Once again, awaytravel.com slash CanadaLand, promo code CanadaLand. 100 days, you can keep it until the Ontario provincial election. <laughs> so some people might be packing their belongings for good in one. <laughs> Allison, you've been on CanadaLand before. You haven't been on Shortcuts, but you've listened to Shortcuts. You know that we duly note things that need to be duly noted. Do you have something to duly note? Yeah, I wanted to duly note the fact that Donald Trump is not a feminist. He he told Pierce Morgan that the other day. Uh, he said he's he doesn't think he's a feminist. He's he's for women. He's for men. He's for everyone. And you know, for a guy who's often dog whistling, it's it's nice to have someone you know just spell it right out for you. Maybe we he can get a T-shirt. We are we are all not feminists, or the future is everyone, which. I think the problem with with his statement, other than the obvious part um, of a major leader saying something like that, is that the the signaling that I'm f- I'm for men uh, as some sort of contrast to being for women makes feminism or points to the parts of feminism or the ideas about feminism that it that it's anti-male, which it's not. And I think he's sort of inflating that idea and and projecting that. Um, which, of course, is exactly what anti-feminists want to hear, uh, is that, that women hate men and that we're tr- feminism is trying to, to bring down men when, of course, that, that's not the case. So thanks, Donald Trump, for, for letting us know how you really feel for once. I mean, it's awful that the president of the United States will explicitly say, I am not a feminist. The only worse answer would have been if he had said, I am a feminist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I, but I, you know, and, and I think people are like, oh, what do you expect? He was in a horrible catch twenty two situation. That's a no win. But it's a no win because of how he has acted and the things he said and done. You know, it, it's not an optics problem. It's not a PR problem. It's a misogyny problem, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you can't be that guy. And oh, and then he also went on to say that the the women's march this year had a had a smaller turnout, which is of course his his major <laughs> signaling of what's important in this world. Wow, did he say that? Yeah, he said that. Like, like boastfully, like in, in the same way that he talks about his own rally numbers. That, exactly. Like, good yeah. news, folks. The numbers are down. Yeah. <laughs> duly noted. Allison, I want to duly note uh, a headline in the Globe and Mail that uh, had to do with uh, what they call the Colton Bushy trial, telling me that jury selection at the Colton Bushy trial has begun and there are issues with it. Uh, story is fine, but that headline about the Colton Bushy trial struck me as curious. How can there be a Colton Bushy trial, uh, which suggests to me that Colton Bushy is on trial? 
I don't know how he could be standing trial. He's dead. He's a murder victim. He was shot in the back of the head. The, the person who is on trial, of course, is Gerald Stanley, the Saskatchewan farmer. Um, and I understand from an editor's point of view, not a lot of people know the name Gerald Stanley. If you put Colton Bushy's name in the headline, people will know what you're talking about. But maybe the reason why people are more familiar with Colton Bushy than Gerald Stanley is because the media keeps using Colton Bushy's name, even in the context of this being like his trial, as opposed to Gerald Stanley's. And the cycle continues. And I noticed also today, also in the Globe and Mail, this story about Tina Fontaine, another Indigenous youth, murdered. And the story I read had a headline about how she had drugs and alcohol in her bloodstream when she was murdered. And you got to read the story to find out that the drugs in her bloodstream was weed. And uh, it was pointed out on Twitter, and I had to wonder as well, uh, boy, you know, I, I, I can't wait until the next murder victim's toxicology reports are, are a headline in the Globe and Mail. I'm sure we'll all see, I don't know, uh, Honey Sherman's toxicology reports. Had she been drinking white wine when she was murdered? Um, and you know, this is a bad, grim joke, and I'm saying this facetiously because we will never see that headline. Duly noted. Allison, the Bruce MacArthur serial killer case, alleged serial killer case, uh, we talked about it last week, I, you know, but stories that have come out since, I mean, obviously this is going to be a story we're going to be reading about for some time, these uh, horrible and, and uh, lurid details of it emerge. And I had some observations. I, I guess the main one just being that we just seem so locked into such a limited number of media narratives, depending on the case. If it's a serial killer case, you do that. If it's a mass killer case, you know, and, and the box that this is being fit into is the, he was such a normal guy. He seemed so normal. I seem like a jovial guy. Oh, he was normal, normal, you know, normal on Facebook, normal with his grandkids. Uh, and, it, you know, the conceit of that is that a serial killer should be abnormal. And it, it almost feels like the opposite is true. Like, like it's always seems to be the case that that's the story you read. And it also, I think, maybe has a the normalcy and, and whiteness. Uh, like, maybe he wouldn't be talked about as so normal if he wasn't relatable in that way. I don't know. Is that a stretch? What do you think? I mean, I was thinking about how, you know, there's so much true crime television and serial killer television and, and movies. And, and they tell us that serial killers all have like a certain type of victim, right? That there's a very specific box uh, that they that they check and who they go after. And we obviously have seen this in the Bruce MacArthur case, but we've also seen some of the new victims that the police announced a few days ago don't fall into those categories. They weren't men about town in, in the gay village. They weren't brown men like the original victims or missing men were. So... I think looking outside of, of that narrative might be important, and especially as this investigation continues. I mean, you know, knowing the data points of this that the police had to work with, knowing that, you know, okay, when years ago these brown-skinned men went missing from the gay village and this idea of a serial killer being presented to cops and them saying, no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not, and 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 meanwhile, and obviously there are other people who went missing as well, we're going to find out the full tally eventually, Meanwhile, we know that if the cops were saying who has a history of doing violence in the gay village, who has been in the system, you would find on that list Bruce MacArthur. And we don't know how long that list is, but you would find on that list that there's a guy who was convicted of beating up 
a male sex worker with a pipe and who had this very irregular sentence whereby he was not allowed into the gay village. I don't know how many people... he wasn't allowed to use apps, right? Yeah, he was not allowed to, uh, to use dating apps. Like, I don't know how long the list is of people who face sentences like that, but if you were taking seriously the possibility of a serial killer, you would think that that would be somebody of interest. And now there's all these people that have used Bruce MacArthur as a, a landscaper that are having their lawns dug up by the police looking for human remains, which is just terrifying and, and horrible. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and again, these are like we look for these things. And as it happens on last night, you know, like you can find, you know, a woman, an upper middle class woman who who's happy to talk, to go on the CBC. And, you know, it's a relatable person who talks about her interactions with him. And, and, and oh, I, she, she's like me. I can, you know, the having some kind of like proxy through which to experience a story is so important in the level of attention a story gets and how a story is defined versus stories that kind of go under the radar. Um, also really interested in like the... Uh, the the Joe Warmington uh, reporting on this. Joe Warmington, of course, is some a reporter for the Toronto Sun, who a lot of listeners will remember as uh, Rob Ford's buddy, um, notorious who, fedora wearer. Fedora wearer, uh, possible inspiration for Mick Scoop, the news dog mm. uh, cartoon <laughs> character, which people should read. Um, a reporter of uh, mixed reputation, but but one who I think does have lots of good sources amongst the cops, and was the one to break the news that when they took. Bruce MacArthur, when the cops arrested him, there was a young man tied to his bed. Um, That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. But again, a story that I think people like, the immediate impression of that is like, oh my God, what are the odds? Uh, But of course, they were staking out Bruce MacArthur and trying to figure out the right time to take him in. And he goes into this bedroom with a young man and the cops say, okay, we don't want anything bad to happen to this young man. Now we'll arrest him. So it's not like some crazy shocking coincidence, but everything gets amped up and sensationalized and you can almost see the movie of the week of this before you even know what the hell happened. I think we've covered it, Allison. That's what we got for this week. It's too bad the Canadian news is so boring, huh? So boring that I'm going to go check Twitter right now. You should go back on vacation. Take another week. You didn't get your full due. <laughs> that is your Canada Land Shortcuts. Uh, you can email me about it. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com, and I do read every email you send. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Allison Smith, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at at Queens Park Today. And you can listen to my radio show, Detangled, on CIUT every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Or check out that on Twitter at at Detangled CIUT. And you should. It's a great show. Uh, our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash CanadaLand. This episode was produced by Avi Madon. Syndication of Canada Land is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm.